What's up, everybody? This is Ace of Next Fan Ben. Welcome back to the Pirate CSG podcast. This is the next part of the interview with the amazing game designer Mike Mulvihill. And you can find all the resources and whatnot that we talked about in the description below. And please consider also checking out the eBay affiliate link in the description uh, to help support my content and everything I do to try to keep this game alive. Thanks for listening, and let's get to the episode. Do you know what printing process was used to apply the artwork to the cards? I have no idea. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> awesome. Um, I know what we used to do was... Um, Did we do it on four sheets of color? I think it was four color printing, yeah. CMYK. It was four color printing, but I couldn't I can't remember if we needed to provide that or if it was provided at our at our factory. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, it changed over. I mean, back in the you know, uh like nowadays we just send them PDFs. So it's yep. not even a you know, it's not even a, or actually we send them InDesign files, I think. Or maybe no, nah, it's got to be PDS. So we send them either you know PDS for them to to pull the four colors from, or or the systems now do that. But I think here it may have been a four color process in which there were the four color sheets. But I don't think so because I don't remember seeing a lot of offset printing, like where one color was offset from the rest. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Uh, we were way more concerned with making sure that the art and the mold lined up, or the the cut, the die cut lined yeah. up. Yeah. So nice. I would tend to, I don't know. I would have sent, if that was the case, we would have sent them, like, I don't, we didn't send them film that was done by the time yeah. we got this far. So we didn't send film. Um, nice. We probably sent them what the, yeah, I think it was in this case, we probably sent PDFs and then they, they did that. I don't know what the system was. Yep. It's, uh, I know that, like over time, it'll it it could scratch off, or if they didn't treat it correctly, we might get some scratch off. But I couldn't tell you what that nice. was. Do you know if sales numbers were consistent across the sets? I'm kind of curious if they went after, went up after like Caribbean movies came out, or or anything like. I'm that. sorry, I missed, I missed the beginning. The what? Yeah, we're we're. Do you know if sales numbers were consistent across the different expansions sets? God, that that's a that's a question for your good friend Tiffany. Um, the Pirates of the Caribbean was was probably only because of where it was distributed a higher. Like when we got uh, it into the stores, like into the mass market, like on the big red wall, the big Target red wall, you know, as everybody knows, right by the checkout. Um, it was never in the game aisle. Um, maybe the board game was. Um, but I, and that may have been why we did a board game was to try to get it into, into the game aisle at Target. I don't recall that. I would assume that that was, I would assume that like it was Pirates of the Caribbean, then the first slash unlimited set. Um, we wouldn't have done a giant printing of the second set if we, that was, but I'm pretty sure it kept going up. Uh, it's why we kept doing them. If sales started to go down at, at, after multiple sets, I think we would have run into trouble or sooner or earlier. And we never really ran into trouble. I mean, it ended only because WizKids, as it was, closed. Um, so I don't, you know, the, the, the WizKids 1.0, 2.0 versions, maybe 3.0, depending on how you divide it up. No. Uh, when that went and became part of uh, NECA and all that stuff, and they stopped making the game, I think they just stopped making it. I don't think it had anything to do with sales. Yeah. But I, 
I could be very wrong on that towards the end, as as I was like I told said before. I, I I don't really. I was never told you're not doing another set. So yep, nice. <laughs> take that for what it's worth. I yep. guess. Awesome. What was your involvement like with the Sony Online Entertainment digital version made oh, by? That's Direct funny. Digital? I know that I saw that on there. So this is an interesting thing from a mic standpoint. I learned more about how to. I learned so much about the process from that from that in, in, in um, collaboration, um, because I learned like the stuff we take for granted in a board game that actually has to be programmed in, <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of stuff that like I think there's some abilities that may have changed. There was some language that changed, and in the long run. I think the game played differently a little bit because uh, they couldn't do the things we just took to be for granted that you do because we're sitting at a table talking to each other. They have to program that in in a logic that a computer understands. And while we will allow for a whatever moment, you can't have a whatever moment in computers. So... um, I had so uh, a, a friend of mine now uh, and has been for quite some time. A we had brought in as a consultant to work on some projects with us. His name is uh, Chuck Nallenbach. Uh, Chuck Kallenbach. Chuck worked at then ended up at Sony Online Entertainment, and he was the one that broached the the subject of trying to get us to do that. Um, this is uh, also a time when WizKids was, I don't, may have been when we started working with Tops and they wanted us to do all kinds of stuff. I, I The timing there is really, uh, my brain can't tell you what the timing is. I just don't recall it. But um, uh, working with Chuck and that team was really, really cool. Um, I learned that the language of programming and the, power of the programming engineer um, and their skill sets and how mine were radically different. I had to learn to speak their language. They had to learn to listen to me. Um, so yes, I did work with them. Um, we got it to where it was. I don't necessarily know. It was like the single greatest video game in the history of time. I don't even remember if it was a my understanding of it early on was that it was not as good as a one-to-one as maybe a simulator that we would, you know, that would come out if we were doing it now, for instance. But uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool time. It was a massive, massive learning curve for me. I mean, it allowed me to move from WizKids into, into app-based games and things like that because of the, the knowledge I learned from a design standpoint about what an engineer, what the programmer can and can't tell a computer to do at any given point, you know, what they can program. And again, you know, nowadays we have AI, but back then we didn't, you know, and so it had to explain exactly what the mechanics were. Um, uh, and, and then if a mechanic didn't work, I would have to literally sit down and try to basically do this, do that, do this other thing kind of thing. And if the mechanic didn't work, we were not going to change the, the main game for this game. So, like, I think, if I'm not mistaken, like, there's a lot of ships not in the game. You know, okay. um, yeah, because you just could not get the 
the the mechanic to do what the ship was and i was not going to do a whole set of they were like oh we'll do a whole set of new mechanics and i'm like eh, don't do that that's kind of not our game then yeah. and you know hmm. the way you know then then you run into like hey we did x number of design work on it so now it's our game you know that kind of thing and so we didn't want to get into any of that kind of weird shit so we didn't um this is all this is all yeah, and and it was in our in our second office. I remember because that's where Chuck came down, and then he would fly down and and show me builds and, and all that kind of stuff from Denver, um, where they were at or yep. at the time. I think what did I think they were in Denver? That they sounds, were not in yeah, the LA team. It was a Colorado team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm pretty darn sure it was. Yep, yep. And uh, so yeah, uh, so yeah, that was it. Was cool. I worked on it. I couldn't even tell you much about it. I don't even know how long it lasted, to be honest with you. Um, uh, yeah, I think it, again, it was again, it was like, how do we, you know, every game company wants to its, extend its property into every kind of thing, and that was one of them. So, yeah, uh, nice. It was cool. It was cool for me. I made a cool friend, and I uh, uh, learned a lot. Oh, yeah. oh man, so much. Nice. Did you ever play? Um past like the play testing or beta version like with anyone in the broader pirates community oh uh, we not, I, not so much with the public internally we obviously did um probably with the same people who did you know all our internal stuff so it would have been kelly and me i played with and against the guys from the sony online team i don't necessarily know that after the game came out i did a lot of playing with stuff with other people i mean the weird thing is sony online entertainment what i like i think they were also having various issues i can't even remember how long soe lasted before it was you know scooped up into something else and then you know again they're in the business you know it's a crazy thing as much as we're all fans and we all love stuff you know if they're not making money then they're not caring you know what i mean yeah. so uh and they were now, you know, treasury to the the main the main line and the other stuff we were doing in the main line. So I can't even tell you how long that was a product for. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it went out in like January 2011, 2011 I think. But I it was from hearing. I I remember interviewing or being on the podcast with some players that played a lot, and I think there weren't many players past like two thousand eight. Um, but I don't. They didn't take it offline until early 2011 i believe so yep all right i got a couple follow-ups from my friend billy down in los angeles yeah. that you met and uh he's wondering if you and i'm thinking probably james Ernest, especially if you guys realize that the victory conditions and rules decisions uh from the first set would lead to the meta of using ships that are as fast as possible while also being as cheap as possible to fit into the 30 or 40 point framework uh yeah it's the yes so the answer to your question is yes obviously we removed an entire faction because they were breaking the overall meta the the you gotta understand too that when the first sets came out and the and the and the the game the fixation on the game um, was, you know, as I've said before, it was like 
you know, a playable game out of a pack for 375 or whatever it was, 475. And the whole point of that, the follow-up point of that was sit down and play it in like, you know, 20 minutes over lunch if you're two kids in school. Um, that mindset was over over me the very early in the game, you know, which is reason why it was 30 points. It was two to three ships maybe plus crew, you know. It was the reason why we, um, uh, you know, we stayed in that frame for so long was because uh, that was the mandate overall was single pack play game, fast, fun, lunchtime game. You know, it wasn't until by the time – I don't know, maybe set two or three, but whenever we started to like get the feedback, you know, we started, you know, we started to see that the, the design was all was geared towards that. And maybe that's not where the game needs to grow to. Um, so, uh, you know, in the big picture, if we really wanted, we could have, change the rules around the thing that was interesting to us was that's not again this is uh, what billy's asking is the meta on that was not an early meta which is very strange it's a meta that came out of power gaming obviously but when somebody's like wait a second if the, this is the victory condition i'm only gonna do this you know and it's like oh yeah i guess you can um and so uh you know part of it was do we mind that play because then it's a 15-minute game, 20-minute game, and that fits our priority of play it over lunch. And so, you know, looking back on it, that's probably not the best decision for the, you know, holistic entity that the game ended up becoming and at the level that you want to play at, where you're like, I want a 100-point game, I want a 200, I want a 5,000-point game, I want an hour-long game, I don't want somebody coming in and winning in 15 minutes. Um, and so, yeah, we probably over time would have rethought that. I mean, the, as I said, the whole original point of this game was we did not want it to be bogged down in like a uh, wooden ships, Iron Man slog fight of positioning and, you know, uh, and ships getting broadside to each other so that we can fight. We wanted something that involved pirates, treasure you know, all that kind of stuff. And so the default setting was always like collect the treasure to win. So yes, we knew it. We never thought it was as bad as it could be done in a statement like Billy made, <laughs> but you know, 10 sets in, you're like, Oh my God, we maybe need to have rethought some of this you know to change some of it i like the idea that you had where you got to collect all the treasure not just you know 50 plus one or whatever the original yeah. rule was yeah um so that was that you know that change that you know i that should have probably been enacted in the games in the later stage it never was but it probably something like that could and should have been added in it's also we found out a little bit later for the guys who did min max that they never used treasure like a special treasure unique treasure because it had no value, no dollar value or no victory condition value um, in their minds. You know, they gave them powers, it gave them other stuff, but you know, if they were going to win, they wanted to collect only, you know, only coins and only at the highest value that they could. So it, 
yes, there are people out there who min-max that, just like any other min-maxing. There's people out there who power game that. But it never rose to the point of contention. The biggest thing, just in case it comes up, the biggest point of contention were the people who were taking, like, super hardcore advantage of the fact that we'd have that kind of like, hey, you you know, no island can be ex near each other. We never said how far away they can be from each other. So you would have people setting up like, you know, we would get constant letters of like, my brother or my friend sets it up like five feet away and it takes, you know, half hour to, you know, for me to get to the game. And by that time he collected all the treasure. Hmm. We had, that was an actual bigger issue than than people only getting fast ships with large cargo spaces and winning the game. Interesting. And, that, that and the bottom line was, on. we said, you know, the bottom line in that case is, don't play with that guy, he's a jerk. You know, <laughs> he'd say, no, 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 bring it closer, let's play it normal, you know. Um, but, you know, that's a, another thing that you have to sometimes tell people, like, hey, the person you're playing with is kind of a jerk if they're doing... You know, if they're taking a, a a basic fun, let's play this on the dining room table mechanic and setting up an island, you know, basketball court away. Yeah, maybe you tell them, I don't want to play with you anymore. You're not, you know, but, you know, no one ever sometimes don't say that. That's actually become another phenomenon of a more modern thing of people just going, I don't want to play games with you anymore. I don't yeah. like the way you play games. Yeah. But, you know, again, saying stuff up front gets that out of the way right away. Back in the day, we would get letters about people, you know, photos. I remember we got Polaroids, old school, <laughs> like uh, the Polaroids from people of their, what? you know, their setup. And some guys <laughs> got one islands, like literally the, you know, and, you know, they're all sitting at one end of the dining room table <laughs> and there's an island all the way at the other end. And they're like, is this fair? I'm oh like, first God. off, how long ago was this game that you're sending a photo in? Yeah. And secondly... To tell them no you can tell them no it's you're playing a game yeah. if it doesn't work you know so huh yeah that got that must have been fixed pretty early on because the the rules call for either like 2l to 4l distance between islands or it got changed later to 3l to 6l um so yeah that must have been some kind of early play test yeah that was nightmare. that was the one <laughs> yeah but as for the yeah sure in the meta game yes if you get a lot of quick boats and you you set yourself up correctly you could win without encountering anybody you know and that again that's a thing that you go okay we did that that one time this is the other cool thing about pirates is people will do that they'll, they'll like play it that way one time and they'll go okay i did it that one time yeah all right i'm that's boring let's play a cool game yeah. of pirates you know, yeah, and so, yeah. yes, so yes, in the big picture, meta should have probably evolved over time, and it did a little bit, but probably not enough to fix that wholly. Yeah, that's a great point. Another pro in terms of collectability is with over a thousand ships to play with and like hundreds of crew, you don't, you don't get, you don't have to get stuck playing the same fleet or strategy. You can change it up every game for your entire life and never do the same thing twice. So that's a really cool part about it. Uh, I think that answers the next question about like realizing how important a ship's speed would be. Seems pretty clear that was the case. Um, so we'll move to the next one. This one we did touch on a tiny bit earlier. Um, do you know what went into the process of balancing out 10-masted ships like the Zeus? Uh, I got to tell you, I can't even tell you now if that's an actual balance ship. So I don't... I That was... 
Yeah, that one. I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna tell you frankly. I don't know how balanced it is. It was one of those, like I said early on, it was one of those that we knew stretched the boundaries of our matrix. And the question is, if we, I believe when we played it, it was just like how effective will how effective is this ship and the the games that we have are also yeah. a philosophy this is very funny and probably an incorrect philosophy to have and people are going to be like what we actually didn't care about balance after what we said was a balance game that uh, yeah so yeah. so if we said a game an official game of pirates of the, Car- the crimson seas is a 40 point game and you play an 80 point game we're like good let us know if it works exactly yep. <laughs> because that's fair. we that's couldn't totally test fair. every value we couldn't test yeah. that so it's, when we made yep. something that was outside the spectrum of the normal game like the like uh the the the, the, the time master junk we were like yeah you know what uh you know we'll we are confident that our game plays well exactly. and we're confident that if you play an 80 point game you might find stuff that doesn't really really work very well but we're also confident that it'll be a riot to play and it's really cool to see this giant ship on the on the board and you know again it's not about trying to defeat the ship it's about collecting the treasure so as long as we had that kind of always in the back of our heads that like we are pretty confident with our substructure and our foundation that, but we could never guarantee. Like if you say you want to play a five thousand point game, we couldn't guarantee that that would be interesting after a certain point. We think it is. If you ask me, I'll tell you. I believe it is. I believe our foundation is solid enough to have that many ships out on a, on the board and have it fun and interesting and unique and 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 curious. Would you play it a second time? That I can't guarantee because I can't guarantee that it won't just fall apart at some point uh, on itself. But yeah, the answer to that question is probably not truly balanced, probably built on a solid foundation of balance, but I can't say that it's going to work in every scenario with every other combination of ships. Now, if you asked me back then, I probably would have told you a very different answer, but I can't remember. So Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. Do you remember any pushback from the gaming community or the WizKids Pirates forums for a specific set or faction or rule? Uh, basically, we talked about a lot of them. We got a lot of feedback that forts sucked early on, yeah. so we never did forts again. Hmm. Uh, we got some, uh, and, and that was, I think, because, again, the perception after the first set was this is a really cool tabletop pirate ship game, and now we have these static things that just fire on ships from a distance, and they didn't really feel like... Th- they felt like part of the the overall story and milieu of pirates and the forts and the islands and all that kind of stuff. But somehow they didn't really fit the game. I already told you about that one ship that, or that ship mechanic yeah, that ship people ability. Had, uh, went crazy about. Um, the, um, the, I did that, you know, um, we didn't really, um, get a lot of pushback i mean they're always with fans uh now you you look back and you can see the interweaving and the long-term story and the and the stuff that we did and how we did it um 
but back then, like every fact, everything that would come out, and it would be a new set of ships types and a new set and a new faction type, a new flag, if you will. Um, there would always be a little bit of pushback on that of how you know, you know, you do the Norse, and then we don't do the Norse again, you know, in the next set, and that becomes somebody's favorite faction and wants to know why we're not supporting it, you know, that kind of stuff. That's normal. We didn't really have. Um, we didn't really, again, it, there was not the collectible marketplace that there is now, the, the speculator market. So you, we didn't have to deal with a lot of pushback on that front. Um, we got it in stores, so everybody always had it. So there was not like a lot of that customer service, you know, my store stopped carrying it, you know, or why doesn't my store have it? It was, it was not a mass market product in that regard. I think we may have gotten some confusion slash pushback on like the box sets mm. because they in a lot of cases they were ships that uh you know we always included a, a a blister pack in there so people wanted to know if the blister pack and the unique ship or is it blah 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 is it a regular blister pack just regular consumer questions but no no real uh like hardcore pushback on, on anything i think i've said most of them in our discussion the the setting up a million miles away that was a, that was a big one for some reason <laughs> which i can't quite figure out but like I said, not not a lot of uh, hardcore hardcore pushback. Yeah, awesome. Um, do you happen to know if uh, Captain Teague from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, uh, played by Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones, um, was replaced by this other crew called Denzel in Distress due to like likeness or IP issues? I happen to find ah. this. Um, in the spreadsheets that Wolf sent me, the official Woodskid spreadsheets, and I found some like unreleased stuff. And one of them was Captain Teague, who was really interesting. But then I saw that it essentially morphed into this other crew that reused the character of Rigetti, uh, just in a different picture with the weird outfit on. So, wow, I know it's really Dude, specific. <laughs> I uh, I can't tell, and I don't have my set here. I would look through my set, but my yeah. set's at work. Um, uh, I, I took it in, into work cause, uh, I wanted to show people, uh, early Disney licensing. Nice. Uh, nice. yeah, I included a picture in the chat, but it's not. Yeah, really, I see. I see it. I see the, it there. Yeah. Um, I can't, I don't know. Yeah, that's all good. Um, <laughs> and I was super uh, random, random. I don't question. recall my, uh. I was almost curious if it, it had probably anything. probably would not have been a likeness issue. If okay. anything, it was probably a, uh, I, this may have been the period of time where like there were all kinds of rumors that, that he did some stuff and they didn't want it associated. I don't know. Disney's a strange. Yeah. Hmm. What, when Disney doesn't want something, they really don't want something. Yeah. So, and there's a lot of stories I can tell that are uh, about that, but I won't. Um, but yeah, so to answer your bigger question, I don't have an, I don't have an answer to that. If it's not in the set, in the final set, it never got made. Yeah, and no worries. I may, we may have done a Teague one, um, but um, yeah. I was almost curious if it was like just a thought that had something to do with like his star power because he was like a rock and roll icon before you know Johnny Depp. Was no, that wouldn't have been it. It would okay. have been whether or not Disney found more likely it would have been if Disney found something that they didn't like 
in some other way. Yeah. If you're in the if you're in the movie, you're in the movie, you know, and we could use it. Maybe there was some he maybe he had a special licensing agreement or maybe there's a lot of times like the Robin Williams thing where like in and they said that you can't use you can't advertise Robin Williams is in this movie and they did anyway and then Disney had all kinds of problems but for years afterwards you couldn't say it until they made up for the second movie. Um or third movie, I think it was. Um, in our case, you know, so it could be that Disney had an agreement that they weren't going to promote that he was in it, and therefore this was considered promotion. It, there's a million zillion reasons, and every one of those, anytime you're working IP, you are in somebody else's play. It's like going to somebody else's house as a little kid. They have all new rules every time, yeah. <laughs> and you just have to go, okay, I don't know what the new rules are. Can you tell me some of the new rules? So, Yep. Nice. Um, Do you know but how... I don't know. I, I yeah. can't answer that question because I actually don't remember. Yeah, that's all good. Do you know how far I Jordan... would have I personally, if you're asking me, I would have done a Teague card, yeah. but yeah, he was know, in it. I you probably put him there. Teague is then... not there tells me there's there was probably some pushback. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that makes sense. Do you know how far Jordan Wiseman got in trying to get a license to use the Pirates of the Caribbean intellectual property for the first set? instead of doing Spanish main. Cause I know uh, he was gunning for it from like 2003 or four, but it didn't work out. I until don't later. know how far he got. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. There are part, there are people out there. There are people, there are pro, uh, property owners, IP owners out there who will pick up the phone and say yes to the first thing that calls. Uh, there are other ones that will say yes to everyone. They just say yes. They never say no major league baseball. I did a baseball game. They will say yes to anything you want to do. Uh, you used to back in the day. You want to do a, a, a set of, uh, I'm looking at my desk to see if there's something. You want to do like computer mice, but the the top of it is a base, is the different teams of baseball. Yes, you got that license. You know, no one's going to buy that. I mean, what the hell? You know, <laughs> but they would, they would say yes. The NFL, on the other hand, would say no to everybody. They just were like, it was a blanket no, and then you had to prove to them why you were in this niche market that would sell for them. Disney was this this thing, and the 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 funniest thing about Disney is, is it's easier to get a contract to something when it's not popular, obviously, than it is when it's popular. Disney is a great poker in the fire company. You know, they are like, man, this Frozen is hot. All you're going to see is Frozen. Cars is hot. All you're going to see is Cars. Now, you don't see as much Cars. And so if we wanted the Cars license to do, let's say, a racing car game using Styrene like I did for NASCAR, it would probably be, oh, yeah, no problem. Not, not oh, no problem. You'd have to prove to them that you're a viable interest. So when Jordan went after Pirates of the Caribbean, it was hot. And now we're a small game company, small by standards. We're doing Marvel and DC. Marvel was not owned by Disney at the time. We're doing Marvel and we're doing DC. And we're doing some independent comics and we're being only sold in hobby shops. And to Disney, that's not uh, their market. Their market is mass market. Their market is everywhere that they can go. They were doing all this kind of stuff. They already had everybody kick lined up to sell Pirates of the Caribbean t-shirts and Pirates of the Caribbean stuff. They did a Game of Life version of Pirates of the Caribbean. Trust me, I own it. Um, and so they were they were like super hyper aggressive. So going to them saying, hey, we have this, we have this idea 
for us this game where you make these little model ships and you play a version of pirates they're going to be like that's cute thanks but it's not going to really go far now jorn had a really good relationship with a lot of people at disney so it may have gone farther than what i'm making it sound like but not until the game came out was did we have something to show them and when you have something to show a licensor that's way huge than if you are just going in with this concept document or 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 you know a sty- white styrene and showing them how you would fit it together. We were never in a position to do pre-production prototypes, so we never had the ability to go in and make, um, you know, a, a, a fake fleet and and do all that stuff. Not when he would have been showing it before the game came out. After the game comes out, now we have a game. We can go back to them. And by that time, they were on movie two, you know, and then all of a sudden, they're like a franchise, and they're huge. And now we have another set of things we have to climb to get into there. So bottom line is, um, no, I don't know how far we got, but I can say it wasn't very far because we didn't do it for whatever, six sets before we... You know, and Jordan, the cool thing about Jordan is he'd knock on the door every day and say, we just did another set. We just added. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, until they until they basically said, oh, yeah, we don't have anything in this market, you know, whatever. And, you know, uh, sure. And so, yeah, that was, you know, uh, I mean, this is the coolest, you know, one of the greatest days of my life when we got that license and I got to work on a Disney property. But yeah, up until then, we had been trying for all kinds of Disney properties. Nice. So um, it was uh, was cool. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that it ever launched with Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. I think nice. that was that's a, a bridge to licensing far, I think. Yeah, just from scratch. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you still maintain a collection? Me? Yep. Oh yeah. I uh, of what? Like I have all the cards. If that's awesome. what you're asking, and and as you well know, random other cards that yeah. I keep finding around my house. Nice. Um, uh, and then as pirates, yeah, I will I will buy anything that's pirate themed. I'm a huge pirate fan. Um, over before I started working on that game, and that just was like, hey, I get to research and do pirate stuff. This is awesome. So yeah. I got to do that, but uh, yeah, I have all the cards. I uh, I have them in sleeves and in binders, and then I, like I said, I just took my Pirates of the Caribbean binder to work to show somebody about um, licensing that um, uh, back in the day. Yeah, nice. Do you have any prototypes or like special Pirates items, like um, unreleased stuff? I probably do. I know. I thought I had it here, I, up here in my office. I have a white prototype ship that was like a styrene template ship i used to have a set of all of them i i think even before i moved i think that before i left with kids i think a lot of them started to break because they were not they weren't they were on whatever the company that would print them out would have as extra you know they're not going to print you a sheet of you know a giant sheet of of plain ones so they we would get them in like as as a test, I think I talked about this last time, as kind of test pieces. If I find them, dude, I'll send you photos because yeah. I thought I had one or two up here. It was a, I think it was just a two-masted junk. For a long time, I had it around. Nice. I used to keep it on my desk, but I don't see it anywhere. I'm looking real quick. Sorry if I'm sounding distracted, but I'm looking and I don't see it. I probably It might be down in my basement. I have 
uh, a desk down there that I use sometimes, and I had a bunch of stuff. But um, then I have the complete set of the little busts that I gave you some uh, for um, from Pirates um, uh, that we did as, I think, prizes at the first Gen Con tournament that we did. Um, I have a couple of the boxes and some of the limited edition stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, I still have some packs that are not opened. I don't know if that counts as anything to anybody. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, uh, yeah, it's legacy stuff, dude. I, I, I love that. Uh, and then, you know, what's really funny is, is that like I had some sitting on my desk at work because like I said, I always bring a pack in and then show somebody who wants to see how to play games differently that game. And so uh, I have always have a handful of ships on my desk and some guy that uh, came in and is like massively younger, probably younger than both of us comes in. He's like, oh, my God, are those that is that that pirate game? And I'm like, yeah. he's like, oh, it's the greatest game. I found some packs. Somebody give me. It's great. I'm like, oh, yeah, I designed it. <laughs> oh, my yes. God. I don't know. Do I say that to people now? Is that weird? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that was uh, it's. It, I just am astounded. I guess I should not have been. I've seen various games come and go over times, but the, the fact that there's this vibrant collection of people playing the game now is awesome. Yeah, nice. Do you... Okay, next one's kind of random fun question. Um, if you yeah. haven't already seen the record, um, what do you think is the highest dollar amount that any ship from the game has publicly sold for? And which ship, if you know. Wow, I, I have not, so I don't know. Nice. And I'm going to say, because people are weird, I'm going to go for like, you know, I don't know, like uh, $250. Okay, so there's the, there's one ship called the Obago Deuce that uh, supposedly there's only between like 30 and 70 copies that exist uh, based on various estimates and whatnot. And one sold at one point um, for eighteen hundred and twenty-five dollars and like one cent. Jesus Christ! Yeah. What is the Abago Deuce from? Uh, so it's from Fire and Steel, and it's a uh, oh. it's a weird it's a weird one where it was like it didn't get a proper release. It was never it was never going to be in packs anyway. I don't think, but um, it's a really bizarre one. It's in the yeah, I never would have guessed that. I never would have guessed the thousand over a thousand or almost two thousand dollars. That's so foreign <laughs> to me. <It's> not even... <laughs> yeah. So it was uh I remember I think in I want to say it was twenty nineteen, there was one that sold for a uh, five hundred dollars. And then at one point I've got a picture of one selling for twelve hundred and twenty five dollars in December twenty twenty. Um and then one I don't know if it's twenty twenty or twenty one, one sold for almost two grand. So yeah, pretty pretty wild stuff oh yeah and i also have the uh the santa ship too oh yeah the sleigh yeah nice, nice. i have a couple of those i guess somewhere. yeah nice i know we have we have one with our christmas stuff i think my wife has one in our in our curio cabinet uh but yeah i have that yeah nice no Do you... i don't have those i wish i knew where they were Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you don't Those know what happened the big to the giant. Showing me the picture of the big giant ships that we had at uh, Gen Con one yeah, year. Yeah, stuff that I you... don't. I don't know. I yeah. don't know where they went. Yeah, Tiff. I do remember giving away, but... people. I, I, Tiff says that she just thinks at the end of the show we just gave him the fans. 
Yeah. Um, and that could very well be because I don't recall them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't I don't remember seeing them back in the office. You know, usually after a convention, we'd have all the stuff sitting in the office. Yeah. And I don't recall seeing them. So I don't I don't know where they went. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I was one talking to Ethan about how he made them and stuff, but he wasn't sure either. So uh, next one. Do you know if WizKids has an archive of their old forums from 2004 to 2008? Um, I don't know if they would keep something like that if if you heard I had one, I have no idea. Two, the words archive and WizKids are probably like oil and water. They don't really mix. I think Tiffany was saying about like and uh, some other stuff that when when the various versions of WizKids happen, we call them 1.0, 2.0, 1.0 was fully owned by Jordan. And then when Tops came in 2.0 and they closed down divisions of the company, um, our publication wing and a couple of other divisions, a lot of even at that point, a lot of those records were were not they didn't they were not interested in the, in them so like i know my wife was the novel editor and head of publishing and so she there's a lot of stuff that uh just you know uh that didn't exist anymore after a certain time then when we moved from our then when tops bought us uh, then when when we moved and we changed management teams uh like a, a version 2.5 because we we're still tops and, and everything we moved there was a whole kind of, I don't want to say purge of old stuff, but there just there was just a lot of stuff that was lost. A lot of, uh, uh, I, I would just say it wasn't, a lot of it just went to a warehouse someplace or a storage site someplace. And then I don't know where that ended up going. But I got to tell you from an online perspective, I don't think, I mean, maybe, no, I'm going to say they probably have no no records yeah, of that, yeah. but I don't know that. I mean, I'm speaking from Mike Mulvihill, who hasn't worked for them. I don't know when they went east to the East Coast and started kind of a 3.0 version of WizKids. I don't know what they maintained, especially electronically or, or with a... Uh, um, or from an online standpoint, um, like, I don't know even how we gave them our final files, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, I know that the handful of people who stayed there till the very end, you know, they were, they were, you know, asking, you know, giving final files. I had turned my files over to, to other people to work on. You know, they were not my proprietary files. They were the company's files, so I didn't. You know, if I have anything at this point now, it's on a floppy disk, which I wouldn't even know how to access. And then I have to go through them all. And God knows, it's probably nothing from the company. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. A tiny bit of his archive through the Wayback Machine, but not too much. So awesome. Uh, other than this year, when was the last time you played? It's probably work, I guess. Uh, let's see. So not only did I play with you like a full, complete, real game. Um, I played uh, a small game last summer, not this not this summer, summer before at a family reunion. Uh, they pulled out some packs that they had found, uh, my in-laws and, and some other people, and so I played then um, and taught. See, it's the, problem, the other problem with it being me is that then people want me to teach them the game, yeah. and so it's more of a teaching game than a playing game same thing that happens at work so like i said i have a bunch of pieces at work and when we were talking about some something i i brought some packs in and we played it played there and that would have been maybe even the year before so maybe right now from 
playing a game, playing hardcore like we did the other night where there's a winner and we're playing it, it's, it's few and far between. Uh, me playing Pirates in a non-competitive, non-like winner-take-all, you know, not a, not, a, not, a, not a true full game with all the bells and whistles. It's I probably I would say maybe twice a year I do that. Um, so I'm familiar with it in that sense of here's a thing I know how to play and I make and I made and it's fun and you will have fun playing it too. Here's the full rules. Read them um, uh, is a lot, you know, um, is more often than, that, than anything else. Yeah. I mean. I still have to explain to people how it's a playable game out of a pack because nowadays people just don't believe me, but you know, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Let me show you a pack here. Yep. Let's play. Yep. All right. That concludes this part of the interview with the amazing pirates game designer, Mike Mulvihill. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, whether that's a comment on YouTube, follow up questions in the thread at pirates with Ben or commentary on discord or Facebook. Make sure to like, and subscribe to the podcast. So you don't miss any episodes. There are links in the description for this episode where you can find some of the links and resources I used, and there's also an affiliate link to buy Pirate CSG items on eBay. Consider using that link as a way to support all my efforts to keep the game alive and hopefully even revive it as well. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.